It's Bob McCowan. It's John Shannon on the uh, podcast slash radio program. I thought, Barry, I thought it was Barry White with me today. Thank you very much. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, I haven't had a I haven't had a cold in years, you know, and um, don't know where I got this one, but it's in my chest. John. You have lots of people coming in and out of your house right now, don't you? No, I, I well, no, we're not really, not anymore. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You would have thought, like I went through what three yeah. months of renovations where there were people coming and going all the time. Nothing. Yeah. Now it's basically done, and then I get sick. Anyway, whatever the case, uh, a few things to talk about. Matt Devlin's going to join us later. We're going to talk about the pathetic performance by the Raptors in the third quarter last night that uh, cost them the game. Um, the Phoenix slash Arizona slash Tempe slash Scottsdale slash Glendale Coyotes yeah. have not paid their bills. They well, are they say stiffing. they're going to pay them now. Well, they're stiffing. They've been stiffing everybody including them paid their taxes and they haven't yeah. paid their rent. But it's mm -hmm. not just that. It's a bunch of suppliers who they've stiffed. And now they have come out and said, well, we're going to pay. It was a human clerical error. Right. What a pile of crap that is. Well, isn't this comparable to, uh, hey, oh, yeah, checks in the mail? Well, yeah, but <laughs> this is supposed to be a high-profile sports organization. You know, just just stand up and say, you know, we're doing crappy. We don't have the money. We can't pay. And M instead, Mr. Morello has the money. Well, they he don't owns casinos. He owns TV channels. Mr. Morello has the money. Well, then pay it. Pay your pay your bills, for God's sakes. And don't blame it on some unnamed, you know, slub in your office yeah. who made a clerical error. You know, a clerical error is I don't is one bill doesn't get paid. Not all your bills don't get paid. And, and the interesting thing is, I, I do think when the story broke yesterday, uh, I think that the, the last uh, little few sentences you put out there, I think that that was the conversation between the commissioner and, and the team yesterday. Because it, it's a rather an embarrassing scenario when you consider that uh, all the NHL owners are meeting today and tomorrow in Florida uh, and there's lots of stuff to talk about there. Uh, but the last thing you need is some breaking news so that reporters can ask you, Gary, why is Arizona not working again? And what do you need to do? Well, get the team the hell out of there. That's what you need to do. You I mean, find you a can place blame to go. Glendale all you want, and it's not close to, to you know, Phoenix or Scottsdale. I, I, but I, I, don't blame, I, don't, I don't blame that part. I, I, I am one of those guys. I am... By the way, I'm still bullish on that area of the country for a hockey club. Um, but Bob, at some point, and I, and, and I think you have to give the fans in the area credit because, uh, let's face it, uh, I, if I'm a fan and I'm living in Scottsdale or in Phoenix or, or in the west side in Glendale, uh, I want to go watch a winner. Uh, and, and you can count on one hand, one hand, the years that this team was competitive. competitive since they moved from Winnipeg one hand Bob. So that's not well, about, okay, that's, but, that. That's, that's a, that's an intelligent sports fan saying, well, I, I, I don't want to go watch losing hockey. Well, and again, they've been so reliant. Is, they've is, been so reliant. They've been so reliant on Canadians. I mean, remember that at one point there was a plan. They're so reliant on uh, on snowbirds showing up to go to games and visiting people fly to Arizona because the tickets are a good price uh, and uh, and then stay and watch watch a couple of hockey games. It, it is it, it's it's really it's a good sports market. And this team, if it had a, if it was competitive. I think that they would do a very good job of. of selling well, but they're tickets. not competitive, John, and they're not paying their bills and they're lying to the public. And uh, I think fans see through that nonsense. And not to mention the fact that they're a crap organization and have been since day one. And the owner, whether he has the money or not, is not interested in spending it. Has not really shown any interest in improving the product dramatically. In yeah. fact, the opposite. And I think it's a road to nowhere. And trying to save, and I understand Bettman doesn't like the idea of moving franchises, and he certainly does not like the idea of having to stand up and say, 
we failed in this market. But here is a truism. You can talk about Houston, San Antonio, um, Portland, Mexico City. Kansas talk about City. Any, Kansas any, City. Kansas City. Talk about wherever you want. There is one place that the franchise would be reasonably solid right out of the gate. Okay. And so I, well, are you running for office in the province of Quebec or something? No, I'm not. But that's the only place, isn't it? I mean, I think I think there's 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 at least reason to believe that if the, if the franchise, the Coyotes franchise was moved to Quebec City, mm-hmm. they'd sell tickets, they'd have enthusiasm. It is a tiny uh, market. It isn't just a small market. It's a tiny market. It's a tiny, tiny market. But they supported the Nordique for the most part when yeah. they were there. Yeah. The economics are different. I don't know how that will impact the people in Quebec City. But that would save this franchise from the embarrassment that they've gone through for the last decade or more. Well, it was and 1996, it would... Bob. Well, can 1996 you... Can... when they moved. Yeah, I know. But, you know, for the first few years, you say, okay, it's a building market. We're going to put the pieces together. You know, they played in a crappy arena in downtown Phoenix. And yeah. Then yeah. got the thing in, in Glendale and... Well, that hasn't worked, but, but it's a lot of it has been ownership was underfinanced and at, to- at they, times. Yes, you're right. At times, and whether they wouldn't spend or couldn't spend is basically irrelevant to the, to the fan. You want a competitive team, mm-hmm. a team that tries to win an ownership that tries to win. And all you get in Phoenix is day after day of newspaper reports of they owe this, they haven't paid that, they haven't done this. They're gonna get they're gonna get booted out of this arena. Well, they don't have a lease for next year. Yeah. Well, and do you think there's any reason why the city of Glendale will allow them back now that they've threatened to kick them out? Well they haven't paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in rent and they haven't paid over a million dollars in taxes. I I think that there's lots of questions to answer. And I mean to the point where uh, you, you know, there are other concerns. There'll be other tax bills coming up uh, as the as the year goes on. Will they pay those? Uh, th- listen, this this is and this has been coming uh, for a while, not because of the tax issue, but because of the end of the lease. Um, and uh, you know, this this ownership group wants to build a new arena in Tempe, but you know what? Can you build it in six months? Well, that's the problem. And now, I mean, they have done surveys of other old arenas, the old uh, uh, arena, the Veterans Coliseum, long before where where the Phoenix Suns played in 1968, where the Phoenix uh, Roadrunners played in 1968, where they had chicken wire rather than glass in those years uh, around it. it it's it's a, they've actually also looked at playing some of these games next year. In a, in a new 6,000-seat arena on uh, Arizona State University. They're, they're, listen, this, is, this issue is this is a very public one, the tax issue, but this is going to fester for a, a while until something decided. And, and, but, but if the owner, you know, he's in the private club, he's one of those 32, and, and, and the commissioner has an obligation to try to make sure it works for him there before they, they do the last resort like they had to do in Atlanta to move it to Winnipeg. And, and that's really, the, that's really the bigger issue. I, I you know what, I, I love the city of Quebec, the arena, the Videotron center is spectacular. Um, but I think there are two issues there, Bob. First of all, um, what compensation will you pay the Montreal Canadians? You're going to have to pay them something uh, because Canadians basically have taken the province back and there is precedent for an indemnity being made. Uh, to the existing team. So that's one thing. And and Montreal will never say, no, we don't want them. But under their breath, I guarantee you that they're saying, no, we don't want them there. Um, uh, And then where's the corporate dollars going to come from? I mean, that's where the the upside is now. Well, there are no corporate dollars in Phoenix right now anyway. No corporation. No no serious corporation is investing in the Phoenix Coyotes. But they have a better chance if the team wins of uh you don't know that doing it in phoenix well, of course oh, yeah. you have a better it's chance a you have a better chance anywhere you'd have a better chance on the moon so where so you're putting it in quebec city i don't see an alternative well i think they should go to houston if they're going to move they should go to houston houston there's no there's no belief there's no there's no way to understand whether houston is the least bit interested 
in well, any I mean, other you, professional you, sports franchise, especially a hockey one. I, I can tell you right now that Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Rockets, um, when these stories started to ferment ooh, three years ago, four years ago, he did make a visit to the NHL office to talk to uh, Bettman and Daly about it. And really what he wanted, he wanted the team at a discount, right? And when you think that uh, where, where Forbes now says the value of these franchises is, um, that right now, I don't think there's any appetite to give anybody a team at a discount. Well, the Rangers are allegedly worth $2 billion. Well, that's what Forbes says. Yeah, the Phoenix Coyotes are worth $1.50. Well, maybe $75, 75 Well, on. they have they have no assets. They have no, there's not, it, it's a No, but they have a franchise. They have a franchise. They have that's a franchise. what they have. Yep, that's right. They have nothing else. Yeah. It, and, it's they have a, a, and they have stacks of bills. But bills can be paid, you know. That's well, yeah, how you got. But well, you, but you then know, artists listen, and Bob, the owner in Phoenix pay because, the bills because you know, you know, Bob, you're a smart guy. You know exactly how, uh, how a lot of people stay rich. You know how a lot of people stay rich. Well, sure. Is they push the envelope beyond the point and they push it and push it and don't pay and don't pay and don't pay. And then when somebody says, I'm going to sue you, okay, I'll pay. And they've and they've held they've held that money for an extra five months, six months, I mean a year. That's this this is I'm not saying but it's it a common occurrence, John, but I'll tell you what, this happens all the time in every business. I understand we all understand that. It doesn't excuse the fact that the National Hockey League is being embarrassed by one franchise, and this is it. And they've been embarrassed by this franchise for uh, more than a decade. And there's no evidence. There is not one iota of evidence that this ownership is prepared to take the bull by the horns and solve this problem. They haven't been able to solve this problem. Mm. And, they, and they're rattling on about playing in a 6,000-seat arena. They might not be able to fill that, but economically, that's a disaster. The, now you're inviting well, 10, and when you, $20 million a year in losses. And now you're dealing with, well, which is, I mean, they probably lost $30 million the year before the pandemic. Well, anyway. whatever. I'm just no, throwing my, my, a number my, out at you, John. And, and, it, it's yeah, economically right. not viable. And it's an embarrassment for the National Hockey League to have a team playing in a 6,000-seat arena. I don't think they'll allow it, to be honest. Well, then, now what? You can play all outdoor games at the ASU? By, no, by the way, they have, they have talked about going to Chase Field, putting in an artificial ice rink at Chase Field, which has a roof, and the weather in Phoenix is not bad most of the year. Oh, yeah. So uh, let's go into a 60,000-seat stadium. That they have talked about that. Yeah, well, sure, they've talked about it. They've talked about everything. They probably talked about going to a, uh, somebody's basement and flooding the basement. And they have a better chance of filling somebody's private basement than they do Chase Field. Yeah. You know, it, it, 60,000 it, it, seats. They can't fill 10,000 now. Well, well, well so, John, it's all poppycock. It's just, it's a, it, it is an endless embarrassment for the NHL. Yep. And Gary could solve the problem, except Gary won't give up. I, I think he might be closer than you realize this time around, simply because I think that well, this his is, history doesn't suggest that, John. Well, it's, except that, except that when you looked at what had to happen for, uh, they were close to moving this team once before. Um, once to Portland, uh, they did look at Seattle as well. Um, you, you know, well, but that, John, nothing happened. The team no, was because, in dire because, be, because he got a new owner to buy it. That's right. Well, yeah. yeah. And that's, well, I'm, I'm, listen, that's, I am not, I can't defend this ownership group. There's no way you can defend this ownership group. The question becomes is, can you defend, can you defend that part of Southwestern United States as a hockey market? Can you defend that? And I, I think you can. I think you can. You may, and I, I respect your opinion to disagree, but I would, I would tell you that if it. you could put a winner on the ice in that market. I'm so tired. John, that is the answer for every excuse. No, for, it's not. No. In every, in every city, if we could put a winner well, in place. But that, that's the, I mean, everybody it, can't win. But hold on, though. So, so here's what's, I mean, what, what, what they have done, what this leadership group has done at the NHL is they've cr tried to create a level playing field so that the reason teams win or lose is the, the subjective nature of your, of your management team. 
You know, the salary, I mean, it's the great equalizer, right, Bob? You talk about it all the time. Create mediocrity. And what happens is, is you got to put the right people in place. You have to put the right people in place. And that has been the issue there uh, for a long period of time. How often of the how often is that franchise? We got to go. But how often is that franchise spent to the cap? I don't think it ever has. Thank you. You want to win? You want to draw fans? You better invest. Yeah. And you better invest to the cap. Because yeah. if they you used, don't do that, the chances of, you know, this is not Major League Baseball. The Tampa no. Bay Rays do not play in the National Hockey League. Yeah. The, this, this is a team that has become a, uh, a, a, a holding pot for dead salaries, dead contracts. Exactly. Yeah. We got to go. Uh, some reflections on uh, the Raptors and basketball in general. Maddie D will join us when we come back after these messages. All right, we're back. It's McCowan for however much voice I have left and uh, Shannon. And I'm warning you, Maddie. I'm warning you right now. Bob is in a bad, in a bad mood. mood. <laughs> he's in a bad mood. Well, I'm sick. He's, he's, he's sick. He's trying to sell teams. He's moving things. I don't know. He's, he's probably going to trade. He's going to fire. He's going to do everything today. All I know. <laughs> all I know. Bob, just be you. Okay? That's it. If you are you. Read my hat. If be you. And if you be you, then there might be Come a 50, 50 chance it all works out. Did you go to be you, Matt? No, I went to BC. I know. That's what he is. Those words coming out of your, or those letters coming out of your mouth. I mean, come on. You know, it's okay. I like the Terriers too. So the Toronto Raptors are playing the woeful Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder. Who lost by 73 points. Without Jay. Whatever. To Cheeseball State, you know. And, uh, and, of course, they march into Toronto, and the Raptors just lollygag around in the first half, and they're winning by about 10 most of the way. And they look like they got it pretty much in control. And then they crapped the bed in the third quarter. That was the worst third quarter. That was the worst quarter I think I've, ever, I've seen the Raptors play, maybe ever. That was horrendous. Well, how do you let that happen? Well, a couple of different factors. Number one... We know no OG. You know Ken Birch. Now I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear. They had no OG and no Ken Birch in the first half. They had no OG or Ken Birch in the last two games, which they won. Precious Achua is another factor. No, I don't disagree any of that. But their offense went in a drought. And last night, Nick Nurse obviously upset with the bench and and the lack of defensive productivity, really, because that unit – that's why Champagne, Justin Champagne came in at the end. But at the end of the day, where are you going to get points with that bench? You're going to get it from your defense, right? They got outscored by Shea Gilgis Alexander in that third quarter, 16 mm-hmm. 12. It had a lot to do with significant droughts that the Raptors, I mean, they went a period of eight minutes between the third and early fourth without a field goal. And, and so, you know, for them, obviously, to overcome that, you have to dig in defensively, which they did for a period of time in the third, but you need relief, and relief is a bucket here or there, and it's just unfortunate. I I would also say this, and both of you know this because you know hockey you know people coming in to play the maple leafs oh just say it we know we know it because we're really smart now go ahead finish shay gilgis alexander from hamilton sure we do it from montreal do not underestimate their one visit to canada do not underestimate that you know that you guys have seen that Ah. Yeah, Rob, here, at the end of the and day, I don't Dort had 22 points. This is a team that shoots 30% from three point range. Yeah. percent What they shoot last night. They shot 42 and a half percent. And the reason being is because you're going to give them that because you believe that they're just not going to make those shots. Well, Lou Dort shot four of 10 and Josh Giddy, who's shooting less than 30% was three of five. And coming off the bench, Kendrick Williams shoots three of four. They make 17, which is one off of their season high. Anyway, through all of that, 
Shea gets to the line 12 times. He's 12 of 12 from the free throw line. He had 26 points. Raptors were 10 of 15 from the free throw line. And, and, and look, are you frustrated with it? Is it a team that they should beat? For sure. But, but I'm just saying, here are some outlying factors. Mm-hmm. Shea and Lou coming back to Canada, their one visit. Raptors depleted. Aside from all of that, your bench unit from a defensive standpoint has to understand that you're going to get your offense from your defense. In the first half, they had 13 break points. And in the second half, they had all of five. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, those are the little things, right? You know, when you come in, you need to get a stop, you need to be active. And you need to get out and run and get a bucket in transition. And they were unfortunate to do that. They, they couldn't, they, the bench couldn't. So that's why he went deeper down the bench. Right. And Campeni played all 12 minutes in the fourth and nearly was a sliver away from a game winner. Well, here's the reality. You can look at it however you want. The reality is this team isn't good enough and especially isn't good enough when they're missing key players. The bench has been, the bench has been, you can't use them useless. Well, I'll, you know what? I know you're going to defend them, but that's the reality here. I'm not going to defend them. No, no, I'm not defending them. All I'm saying is we know this. Yes, we do know it. And now it's time. Every year and every different team, you move up the peg, right? It's, it's like, I, I say to people all the time, well, in your own office, what happens if your top two sales guys are out and now all of a sudden you're asking somebody from accounting to come over and sell? Well, that's not what they do, right? And so, you know, it's the same thing within the, you know, the confines of a team in your roles and all those things. At the beginning of the year, Vegas had them for 36. I think everybody agreed that they would exceed that expectation. My thought was, hey, they're going to be 41 and 41. They're going to be 42 and 40. They're going to be right there on the cusp. They're going to get a chance to, you know, be not only in the play-in, but quite possibly, you know, secure a spot. But they, they, they haven't had one game where they've had a full complement yeah. of players. And, and I think we, we talked about this the last the time you were on. Huh? We, ta- we, we talked about this the last time you were on. I think that they've had less than five games where they've had their full starters, all five starters. They Zero. Zero now? Zero. Okay. Zero. Because... Pascal, when Pascal came back, then OG was out and then Kim Birch was out. And then, it, you know, it's just, and, and so, but you go back to what was the expectation at the start of the year? This is unusual territory. We throw last year aside because they're down in Tampa, right? And now all of a sudden, you know, there are growing pains, mm-hmm. right? Especially for a team that is number one in the NBA in fewest NBA games played. Oklahoma City's the youngest team, but the Raptors have the least experienced team in the NBA. And we all have been around sports to know how that goes. You're gonna win some games you shouldn't, and you're gonna lose some games that really you should win. Okay, so is, is this a classic case of then trying to wait until everybody's healthy? Well, is that realistic? Is that realistic? Well, that's a good question. Is that realistic? We, you know, OG Ananobi hasn't played since mid-November. He had 29 right. points at Portland. He hasn't played since then. Ken Birch, you're a little bit concerned now. I think it's been nine of the last 14 games that he's missed. Um, and, you know, Achua's missed some games because of his shoulder. He missed last night, re-aggravated it. So it's... It, it's a good question. I don't have the answer to that. I, I think that you want to see everybody together to see how all these pieces fit. Uh, Fred was tremendous in the fourth quarter. You know, Fred, you know, OG, you know, Pascal, and you know, Gary Trent Jr. And now the question is with Scotty Barnes, right? We've yet to see that. We've yet to see those guys with uh, Ken Birch with mm-hmm. Precious Achua and there's seven players that 
you believe are, are quite possibly a part of this for the next year, two, three years? And then where are those other pieces? So it, it's just unfortunate. We know what injuries do. Um, that doesn't take away, Bob, you know, that doesn't take away, you know, what you're saying is, hey, look at how do you end up losing those games? Well, you lose those games when you're asking players, you know, hey, here's your opportunity. Here's your opportunity to come in and shine. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, I really like Svi Mahailuk. I think, I, I mean, he's gotten some really good luck. He's just struggling shooting the ball. And if you look at his history, that says that that's going to come around. It just hasn't yet. And Delano Banton's going to be a really good player. I mean, I, I, that kid can play. You know, but he's a, a rookie, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 then you you look at Isaac Bonga, you know, who's minus nine in those. Minutes. Well, you haven't mentioned Malachi Flynn at all in this. Well, he's completely disappeared from the. Yeah, equation. well, that's a matchup thing to me. Malachi will get minutes based upon matchups. So if you have a team, and we've seen this before, if you have a team that will have. Um, matchups that are favorable for Malachi you'll see Malachi so you're, you're saying small ball yeah 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 and and so last night when you when you look at OKC you know the size of Shea he's six six Lou right. Dort is like a linebacker fullback like he <laughs> just is he's something else on the most team-friendly deal ever yeah okay he's got one more year left and I I want to say it's a team option for like 1.8 or something like that. I mean, if I'm OKC next summer, I just say, hey, let's rip this thing up and and let's give you because there will be teams lined up for Lou Dort. Well, yeah. So so um, if you're trying to salvage this season, and I mean, I, I can only assume that they will try to do that. Uh, what assets do they have to do to, 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 to make some moves or do they have any assets? I mean, I can think of one, but yeah, no, I think, I, I don't know that it's, or do they need to? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I think back to Masai and the moves that Masai makes and Bobby Webster and they're not reactionary moves. I can't recall them ever making a reactionary type move. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know that's where you run into trouble along, whether you want to call it a reload, a rebuild, whatever those things are that you want to call it along the way. If you try to shortcut it, we've seen how it backfires. So to me, this is something the trade deadline, you know, is still, you know, two and a half months away. You still have time here. You can't even make trades on certain players, I think, for what, till December 15th. So we're still, you know, a week or so away from that. So, you know, there's only been one team out there that's kind of said, hey, look, we're ready, you know, to reset, reload, rebuild, and that's Indiana. So a lot of people are going to be lined up for that. I don't ever recall Masai and Bobby getting into a bidding war on anybody, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they are patient when it comes to this. They analyze it. They are methodical about it. And typically the moves that they make, as we all know from following them over the course of the last seven, eight years, you do not hear anything about it. Right. Right. If you hear noise, typically Masai and Bobby aren't there. Right. It's noise coming from someplace else. Mm -hmm. They, well, the, ass, the assets that Indiana has that would theoretically appeal to the Raptors would be their bigs. And um, and Karis LeVert is a heck of a player, too. He just hasn't been healthy. I mean, those three players are really good, and you would think that that would work. And, and those, Well, and, is and that – I mean, let's get down to it. What What is the – But I don't know is that – Is a I, big the need for the Toronto well, Raptors? Well, you have to have something to give up, too. Yeah, right. And so that's where well, okay. we, we, we can't analyze the whole thing. No, Let's no. start with what is, is yeah. a big what you need. Well, this is where I'll go with this. I, I, you know, yes, you could say a big for sure. You could also say, you know, a consistent three point, 
you know, shoot or whatever, whatever consistency is in today's analytics, whether that's 37%, 38%, um, an additional one, right, to spread the floor out. Um, but I don't know, are we there yet? And that to me is a question. I thought about this last night on the drive home. I thought about it this morning. Like, are the Raptors there yet? Is the fan base there yet? Are you guys there yet? Are the front office there to say, yeah, we're willing to make a big move because that's what that's going to take. And then when you make that move, that's what you have now. It, and, and that's where you're going over the course of the next two seasons, quite possibly even longer. Turner has this year plus another year. So are you sure about that? And, and I would say at this stage, I would say, I don't know. I think that you have to analyze it. You have to take a look at it because do you want to stay flexible? Do you want to be back in that lottery? Do you want to try to get one more player? We know how talented Scotty Barnes is. We know that he is the future. There's no question. He's 20 years of age. And the passes he makes, the, the mm -hmm. no looks, the feel for the game, the vision, his shot making now, right? I mean, all these things are just there. You know, the question is, is right now the right time? And, and, and I don't, I don't know if right now is the right time. I mean, even you go back to last night, he's eight to 17, 39 minutes. You know, hard to believe he doesn't get a free throw attempt. Uh, eight rebounds, five assists, two block shots, a steal, just one turnover. Um, I think over the last, you know, couple of games, I mean, he's been, you know, he hasn't turned the ball. I mean, so are we ready now to say collectively here? Yeah. The pieces are there. We're going to give up X, Y, Z piece, but we think that this person is going to get us over the top. I don't know. Mm. I, you know, I really, I, I mean, that's an honest answer. I don't know. Because when you make that move, that's what you're saying. Well, what you're looking at is, do you, the Raptors went with a philosophy of basically, we don't have a back to the basket center. We don't have that guy. So we're going to play, we're going to try and play quick. We're going to try and play relatively small somebody's going to play the middle but they're not going to be a dominant force they're going to be more of an outside force you can do that in the nba now the question is has that failed do you need a big well if there is a big available yeah and are you going to play is the surrounding cast willing to play through the post well, no, the, I mean, you can't, and the game isn't played that way anymore. Right. Right. You, you know, forget about a back to the basket, big, forget about playing through a big, you know, it, it was magical when Marcus Gasol was there. How many Marcus Gasols are there? You can run them through the high post, not the low post. Yeah. Right? He's sitting there picking everybody off. And you, you know, I mean, it's, you know, so you, you know, somebody that can stretch out and shoot the three, somebody that's mobile. I'm not even certain that you're that concerned about the offensive end. I think it has a lot to do with a rim protector, right? And then if Fair you enough. Want, and then if you want to talk about the offensive end, you get, you know, a big in that pick and roll action. And, and as you know, we've talked about it on the air, you know, you get, you know, Ken Birch is really good. Ken Birch is getting to that short role where he's using, you know, that three, four foot runner because, you know, getting to the rim, that other team may have that shot blocker there and you can't get there. Right. And so, you know, but do you have somebody in that high pick and roll that you can really get going downhill lob them? Right. So is it, you need the lob guy rim protector. Um, and I think that that's probably what you're looking at in today's, day and age with the pieces that the Raptors have, the question then becomes, you know, uh, is now the time? Mm. And, and I'm not sure now is the time where the Raptors are. And it's frustrating. When you, when you say that, Matt, when you say now is the time, is that, is that in order to get what you want, you're going to have to give up a lot? Well, I, well, oh, in that scenario, to me, when a team announces that, and you guys know this, you followed, uh, I mean, when teams start saying, well, is now the time to rebuild and all, and they have three players that, you know, 
other teams are going to be interested in, it's going to become a bidding war. Yeah, and, it's a feeding frenzy. Yeah. And, and so, and again, it gets back to, do you try to shortcut this process? And, you know, to me, it's, let's see how long it's going to take from a health perspective. Can they get healthy here? And then can you see what that group can do, right? There's also learning moments and teachable moments in this. And there was some really good stuff last night, Nick Nurse pulling Svi, you know, aside and, and, you know, talking to him about things or talking to Scotty Barnes about it. I mean, this is still an extremely young team. And when you look at it, there were two players, two players that were a part of the championship team rotation, mm -hmm. Pascal and Fred, and Freddie, Yeah, right? And so we know from 2019 to now, you know, what has happened to, you know, from a global standpoint, just everything. But you now have this player, Scotty Barnes, that's really special. And so, A, you hit it out of the park with him, or so it appears here at an early stage. And, and so now it's healthy. Let's see how everything now works. And let's see what happens prior to the deadline. And, mm -hmm. and because everything is still stacked up. And this is the thing that by the league buying into this play in, right? By the league, by it's, it's to me very similar to what you see in college football, right. where, oh, you win six games and now you're bowl eligible. Oh, really? Okay, thank you. You know, six games, you know, but it's the same thing. Like you look at the standings and all of a sudden you're in a level. Oh, geez, we can get into the play in. And do you want to right? So it delays that thought process for some organizations, not the Raptors. Both of, you know, Messiah and Bobby well enough to know that they've always said, Hey, look, we don't want to meddle in the middle. We're either in the top or we're figuring out how to get to the top. But, but, but they, right now they are in the middle. They right are. now they are. Well, and they're not in the middle. lower middle. They're not in the middle. They're 12. Well, except, but you, when you look at the standings, I mean, you know, they're what a, a game and a half behind the Knicks now. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's not, I mean, th that, that play-in is achievable, but how, in the end, how important is the play-in? It's a great question. I, I, you know, it's important when you're coaching a team, right? To give you them know, experience. What coaches Yeah, coaches coach, right? Coaches always are thinking about that night in the W and, you know, and, and organizationally you're always looking at, okay, Hey, here's the big picture. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I, I've said it often. People talk about, well, it's an excuse. No, it's not an excuse. These are facts. Yeah. Fact is they're not healthy. The fact is they have the least amount of NBA game experience in the NBA, which means what? It means that, hey, you need more games, right? Gary Trent Jr., people forget, is 22 years old in his fourth year. I mean, who doesn't love that deal when they did that? And I mean, that's a heck of a deal when you get somebody like Gary Trent Jr. And then Pascal and, and Fred are 27 years of age. And they're the most experienced of the group and OG's 23 years of age, but he's got, I tell you what, we, we, we got to find a way to get the duct tape going to get him healthy. I mean, well, what we got to do is we got to find a way to be quiet for a minute. Cause we got to take a break here. Oh. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, Hey, do... all I want to say is what? be you, be you. Yeah. Be you. Uh, with Matt Devlin, <laughs> uh, back after these messages. McCown and Shannon back with you, uh, Matt Devlin, the play-by-play uh, -play voice of the Toronto Raptors here. Um, have you guys stopped your um, your love fest, you know, here on this? And no, you know, it, it, this it, is it, why it, I just I, think I just think that the the this team and you guys can disagree is just, I mean, wallowing in the middle. I know you guys think lower. Well, you can argue lower middle. I just you know that to go for a championship or rebuild. Those are that's what. That's what professional sports has become now. Go for right. the championship so, rebuild. So where so it, under that, I mean, I, I think we all had the indication based upon last year when you win 27 games, you get the fourth overall pick. I think we all agree that Scotty Barnes, yeah, uh, is I mean, he's a special, special player. 
And so I name me the last team, you know, do I go back to Tim Duncan and, and San Antonio because David Robinson the year prior was injured, you know, that all of a sudden within a year or so was, you know, at the NBA finals. I, I mean, the, the, it takes a little bit of time. I'm not saying, you know, this idea of four. Duncan had a pretty good supporting cast. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. I mean, right, exactly. I mean, and that's the point of what I'm saying. But, you know, this takes time. This is not, you know, hey, boom, and and there it is, right? And I always, I, I've said this for a long time. You can live in the lottery, and teams do, and executives sell that to ownership, right? We got to be in the lot. Look, look at Oklahoma City. By the time, and you guys know this, even with the Edmonton Oilers are an example of this in the NHL, right? How long and how many picks does it take? You have a special player. You have two special players, you know, in Edmonton's case. And now look at what they did in the offseason and who they brought in and all the other different stuff, right? And, and look at how they're playing now. And it's the same thing in Oklahoma City. Great. You got six picks. You got 21 picks over the course of, you know, is Shea at 23 going to be 30 by the time this whole thing? Like at some point, right, you go back to 2012. I use this example all the time. We've talked about it on this show all the time where there's no organic growth. There's internal development, but mm -hmm. just because you go to A doesn't mean you get to B and ultimately you get to Z, right? It, it can go A, B, back to A. 2012, Oklahoma City went to the NBA Finals. Two out of the next three years after that, they went to the conference finals. Since that time, they've never been beyond the first round. <laughs> and so and, and and you lose players along the way players make decisions you make moves right that summer they traded away James Harden yeah so the point of that is this hey the Raptors are not healthy do we know right now everything that you want to know about this team I would say no because of that because of the health but they're young there is growth and you're finding out about players right? And who can be a part of this as this moves forward? And, and so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where, you know, I'm at with it. But the, the amazing thing is that you're not that far away, right? I mean, think about the Milwaukee Bucks coming to town. They sit Giannis right on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, and they got a Middleton, and they got Drew Holiday, and they're like, hey, we're going to come in there, and by the way, Milton and Holiday had huge games. Yeah. And 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 you look at the salary structure in today's day where you have, you know, that high number and then there's other high number. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, goes right down. You see the same thing in the NHL, right? Oh, no, we've, well, listen, we've talked about it. The end of the middle class in every sport, Matt. That's that's the reality is, is you end up having your core group get all the money. And then your support group is what ends up being a bit of a revolving door at times right. is those million dollar, $2 million guys. You just, you know, you try to find one that works for the short period of time. Right. And you hope that you don't sustain injuries, <laughs> right. Yeah. At the higher yeah. level. And, 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 and when you do here, you are. Yeah. So I, I just think it's, it's time. I really like what we've seen out of, uh, Barnes, I think Pascal has come around and and you look at the first five games that he played. Remember, he didn't have a training camp. You know, he's coming back from a shoulder surgery. Um, Gary Trent Jr. can get his shot. I mean, we all love Fred, right, Fred? I mean, you know, Fred. Do we fall? But, that, but that's a, the, the Fred one's a really good point. And, and you're, you, you mentioned that he's one of two guys left from the residue of 2019. Um, do we, does, and I'm not being critical, but does Fred get too much of the benefit of the doubt at times? I mean, does, do we, do we just say, well, he's one of, he's, he's, he's a championship guy. Uh, and he's, uh, he's the new Kyle and we're going to move on. No, he doesn't. I, I, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he had 14 okay. of his 19 in crunch time last night and, um, 
I'll take him on my team any day. His his compete level is off the charts, and um, he's playing heavy minutes. And and um, no, I, I I tell you what. I, well, the play the play at the end of the game last night with uh, I don't know what well, was it, five, six seconds. Up. I mean, like yeah, I mean that thing got broken up. I mean, the yeah. Well, I mean, you that, don't want Fred going down the lane. A. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you think yeah. that's option A? Come on. Well, I get it, but. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, the play got broken up. It was, you know, in those situations, you know, it's the inbounder. A lot of times it gets the ball. Okay. And, you know, it took a while to get in credit. OKC. Um, I mean, it was near a five count. Raptors did have a timeout if they, if Fred wanted to use it there. Um, and you give it to Pascal. Pascal immediately, because uh, his defender was draped all over him and, and as we know, throughout the course of the second, I mean, they had Lou Dort all over Fred Van Fleet. Yep. And, and so, you know, that's a, a tough shot clock down. And that was, you know, Fred in the lane, knowing that the clock was down and like, well, hey, that's not gotta... what you want. That is the last no, thing you no, want. No, but, but yeah, I, I don't disagree, but credit Oklahoma city for blowing it up, you know, credit them. I mean, like they're, they're pros too. I know I hate everybody, you know, hates, you know, I mean, again, you don't think Shay and Lou didn't want to come in here? Their one trip back yeah. home to Canada. I mean, come on, guys. Like, you'd rather have you'd rather have Fred throw up any 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 shot from anywhere other than what he tried to do. I'd rather have point one left on the clock when, yeah. when Justin Champagny, you know, tapped it right. But I mean, yeah, and and of course the answer there is if they win by one instead of lose by one, you know, there's a completely different reaction to last night's game. But that's sports. That's yeah. what happens. That's and that's why you love it, right? I mean, it's 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 truly reality TV, right? You don't know when when you know you walk into that arena uh, what you're going to get on a, on a given night. And and I just I you know to me, you know, here's the thing: you guys have been there you know, the patience, yeah. right? the patience, everybody wants that lottery pick. Everybody thinks it's time to reload, rebuild, reset. And then all of a sudden you start winning or losing some games that you think you ought to win as a fan base. And you get, Oh, uh, Hey, <laughs> I mean, we've all, I remember I was here when they won 22, 23 games. Right. And it, 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 it doesn't magically happen overnight. They had this unbelievable seven-year run where they were one of the best teams in yeah. the NBA. And unfortunately, at the time of the stoppage, they had the second best record in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And when they went into the bubble, unfortunately, they lost in the second round in game seven because I really thought, as do a lot of people, and a lot of, you know, as did a lot of people, that, you know, this team, the Raptors at that time had an opportunity to get back to the NBA finals, right? They did. Boston beat them game seven. Now, two weeks before training camp, boom, next thing you know, you're in Tampa. We know that story. It's been told a million times. Now you come back, you have a young team. You have a young team. It takes time. There's growing, well, there's frustrations, there's all those sort of different things. Now, along the way, you just have to identify who you want to be a part of this as you move forward. And that's what this is about. I, I know we got to go, Bob. John, I, I we got to go. I mean, we, I don't have time for anything more. Honestly, we, we are dead out of time. The be, by the way, the best part about this whole thing is that because you're under the weather that John and I actually had an opportunity yeah. to talk a little I bit. I just think that this is more on the defensive end than we're worried about the offensive end, in my opinion. That's all I'm saying. Right. Well, right. You know, yeah. Well, which also – you know, plays into, Hey, you don't have OG Ananobi, one of the best three and D players in you know, the NBA. You know, if you have a hundred, you get 115 points John. a night, you better be winning. Patience. John. Patience. Both be you, Bob. Be you, Shut Bob. Up. Be you. Thank you, Matt. Be you, Bob. Yeah. Better. <laughs> I know what he wants to say right well, now. Well, <laughs> you know what I want to say. <laughs> and it may be a podcast, but I'm still not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> goodbye devlin get lost uh we'll come <laughs> we'll come back with more in a minute back after these all right thanks to matt devlin <laughs> sort of oh bob that was most interesting to listen to you two guys 
agree with each other, which is what I really expect. I didn't. I just was asking questions. I, I was trying. Well, that's to That's all I out, was doing. I was trying to figure. Yeah, but I'm just not apologizing. I mean, you know, when you play like crap, you play like crap. All I yeah. said at the beginning of it was they played horse poop in the third quarter. Yeah, they it, was, did. it was about as bad a quarter as I've seen the team play. And that's where that's where you wonder. I mean, if you're saying it, I'd love to be able to read Nick's mind at that point. And I don't think there well, were enough his mind. I don't I don't think there were enough timeouts for him to use in the third quarter. Well, I, I'd have called a timeout every 15 seconds. <laughs> well, that's my point. There aren't enough. Well, I'd have called more timeouts and given up free throws like anything to get the message across, like oh, wake up, yeah, do something. You know, they, you know, it's funny. They, you, you wonder over the years, you look at teams, you almost, you need a veteran curmudgeon player just to be able to, to, to handle a little bit of that kind of stuff. Every time I, I see a team play like that, I think, what would Oakley do? <laughs> what would Oakley do with his team's, you know, just being that brutal in the one quarter. Cause he would, he would go out there and well, he'd start and, and, swinging and it, at people. That's right. He would in, instigate something. Sure. And, and, and it, what it does do is it change momentum. It deflects attention. It does everything it's supposed to do. It, you know, it, and then we can talk about the violence in basketball, but that's a different story. But I, you need at times, you need somebody to be a shit disturber. You really do. Well, and who's that on this team? Well, I don't see one. Me neither. Me neither. You know, I don't see one. I, you know, I mean, hey, listen, it, it, these are days that, you know, you, I, I don't, and I don't know, I don't know if that guy uh, as a big or a, a you know, a, a four or oh, five exists anymore. So would you talk? The game to has changed so much. The we game has go. changed so much. I was going to ask you if you'd talk to Philadelphia about, uh, you know, who Ben. Yeah. Oh no. And that's I don't that's next. Him. That's next summer. That's next. Summer. Well, maybe not. It might be next week, pal. Wow, that's, that window uh, is that, open, uh, and you know I, Philly not wants going, to move them. Uh, and of somebody, I'm, but I'm in their division. I'm not doing them a favor. Well, I get that. I'm not going to overpay for them. I don't. I don't want them anyway. However bad things are with the Raptors, Ben Simmons is not going to help. Uh, we must go. Uh, I thank you, John, for carrying the program as you so often do, and uh, and hopefully I'll feel better tomorrow. Well, to, be quote, to, to a, quote my friend Matt Devlin, Bob, yeah. be you. Be you. Uh, well, that's enough. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.